Hello. Welcome to Breakfast at Cinema's podcast series Cinema My Child and Me where Abhinav and Shibangi share film recommendations appropriate for all ages and some ideas on how to use this collective film viewing experience to help initiate conversations with your children or students to help them learn in a fun manner. We would like to state that this podcast is meant to be a guide for parents or teachers to engage with children in a different way. While we are going to be careful about recommending movies appropriate for all ages, we request you to explore these films by yourself first to check for anything which may trigger a difficult or unpleasant emotion in your children because of very specific circumstances. The films we talk about here are our personal selections for each episode's theme. Cinema My Child and Me was created on Hubhopper Studio. If you wish to start your own podcast for free, visit www.hubhopperstudio.com. Hubhopper is India's leading podcast creation platform. Start your podcast with Hubhopper Studio and get your voice heard across platforms like Spotify, Ghana, Google Podcast, Wink Music and more. Click on the link in the episode description or visit www.hubhopperstudio.com. Visit hubhopperstudio.com. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Cinema My Child and Me. Today we are going to be talking about a movie which is different from all the ones we have talked about so far on this podcast. Released in 1948, just years after the Second World War, when Europe was still reeling from the devastation that resulted from it, Bicycle Thieves is about the many many jobless men and women trying to make a living and support their families. We first meet Antonio Ricci when he is away from a queue that is desperately looking for a job outside the employment office. He does get called and he gets a job pasting Hollywood movie posters in the city of Rome because he owns a bicycle. Antonio takes the job despite having pawned his bicycle recently to be able to feed his family of four. His wife Maria makes it possible for him to get it back but on the very first day of this job the bicycle is stolen while Antonio is busy at work the rest of the movie follows Antonio and his young son Bruno as they look for the bicycle and in the background as the city of Rome comes alive as a character of its own dealing with the aftermath of war poverty unemployment destruction scarcity anger worry sadness and yet a capability to be hopeful and continue to find small joys bicycle thieves has consistently been named one of the best films ever made it belongs to a movement called italian neo realism where the directors shunned studio productions turning instead to non professional actors natural light and real outdoor locations among other things to depict the realities of post world war 2 life and living The New Yorker's Pauline Kael, one of the most influential American film critics of her day, called it one of the greatest films of all time. Fellow critic Roger Ebert described it as startling and an official masterpiece. The BBC's Mark Kermode said it was an unstoppable freewheeling force of cinema that continues to influence filmmakers. The picture is also in the Vatican's best films list for portraying humanistic values. Bicycle Thieves is also said to have inspired Indian cinema legend Satyajit Ray who having watched the movie at India's first international film festival IFI 
to make his debut with another classic of world cinema with a rich legacy, Pothir Panchali. The film has also influenced Isao Takahata, Ken Loach, Jafar Panahi, Basu Chatterjee, Balu Mahindra, Bimal Roy and Anurag Kashyap among others. Bicycle Thieves is available to watch on YouTube with English subtitles. Abhinav, quickly take us through your first impressions about the movie. Hello everyone. As Shibangi said, in our last episodes, we have looked at worlds where we as children were able to step into the shoes of the protagonist and discover their magical worlds through their adventures. This movie is different. It is about the mega destructive event of World War II. We have read about it in history books and other indirect sources. We have also seen the bigger events of the war slash its highlights in various other movies and books. We have even heard stories that have travelled generations. It is here that cinema steps in to provide the platform for telling the stories unheard. Viewed from this angle, Bicycle Thieves is a study of the personal lives of Richies in the aftermath of the war. The film's documentary feel lends itself greatly to it becoming the document of a nation after the Second World War. The number of threads the movie is pulling on and with ease comments upon its genius. It is a perfect way to study the social order and societal apathy that prevailed in Europe post-war. It is a privilege to be able to be an outsider in this case and watch the film objectively and understand the repercussions of war and how it affects the most inconsequential man in ways that are irreparable. We all know the way this movie ends is not the most pleasant, but it definitely gives us an opportunity to also step into the shoes of these characters and try and look at whether as a child we have been able to overcome any time that we have seen our parents make a big, big mistake or even as parents, if we have made a mistake in front of our children and when we have not known how to talk about it with them and to tell them that, yes, I'm aware and I'm conscious that I have made a mistake, I apologize for it. In fact, I think, Shivangi, one way we can also define this film is for children to get a peek into the workings of the adult world. And what it means to look at the world in black and white, where everything exists as right and wrong and correct and incorrect, versus a world which becomes very grey and tells us that there are impossible choices to make. No matter what you choose, there are still going to be consequences for it. This difference between how the consequence of those actions can be blunted by the protection around him or around her, that gets taken away as you slowly transition into your adulthood. And when that blanket protection disappears, then your actions have a very long-term impact and could have all sorts of bearings on your future. Absolutely. One could argue that in this film, Bruno is not exactly a child. He's had to grow up really quickly because his family is in need. But one needs to understand that for all children, parents are sort of superheroes. They know the answers to all questions. They can do things that children cannot. They have authority. So for children, being grown-ups is one of the things they want to arrive at fastest and they don't realize that childhood is more precious in a lot of cases. But here, Bruno may have had to grow up quickly. He might have had to take up responsibilities to ensure his family is taken care of. But at the same time, this nine-year-old boy still looks up to his father as a superhero. And the moment he realizes his father is not the superhero he has been imagining him to be, it is a heartbreaking scene. But 
it is in a sense what all parenting is about it is in a sense about the time when the child discovers that no my father is not a superhero but he's human and i love him still i think this movie makes for a great case study in that sense for the way children look up to their parents in fact i think one of the things that must happen essentially uh, for the transition from your innocent childhood to that of uh, a responsible adult is the fact that you shatter the myth of your father being the superhero exactly because if you don't shatter it you're going to rely on him and her when i'm talking about father i'm obviously referring to both sets of parents yeah. and because uh, antonio here is the father and that's what we get to see through the eyes of bruno who's also a stand in for the viewers right so what happens in this film interestingly is that it's not just a 9 year old watching his father go through the motions and figure out what the next steps for survival would be but it is also the viewer looking at a world which could possibly be negative so if we have to talk about for example theft as an idea it's included in the film's title so we know that this film is going to be at some level about thievery we have come to this question very often whether theft as a means satisfies a bigger better end then whether theft is a good thing or a bad thing and these complications are essentially what we as viewers get thrown into and we are told hey listen you might be judging it very easily but look at it from the point of view of where they have no options available to them right philosophy classes often ask this question to their students where if a family is hungry and one of the members of the family decides to steal bread to feed themselves would it be considered a crime in fact there are so many hindi films right that refer to this idea of the hero starting off his life in crime by being the bread thief i think this film is a very interesting transition point yeah. for all our children who have been listening to us to slowly start taking charge of their life and start looking at the world objectively and we have to realize that there is never going to be a viewpoint that will arrive at your doorsteps as an objective viewpoint but you have to understand what is subjective about that viewpoint exactly it is about being able to appreciate the grays in your life and not just looking at everything in black and white true what about you shibangi your quick impression my first uh, question while watching this film the number of times that we've watched it every time i try and look at it to understand whose story is it is it the story of all the people turning into bicycle thieves to make ends meet in this country which is desperate overall war has broken it and especially because they have lost the war things seem to be worse off We see Antonio's bicycle getting stolen but he's definitely not the only one. And when we see the hundreds of bicycles in Piazza Vittorio and Porta Portese all being taken apart and reassembled with different parts to make them unrecognizable and fit for resale in the grey market, we can imagine how coveted an item a bicycle is in this economy and just how many people have been forced to become thieves to ensure food, clothing and shelter for their families. Now in the last frame of the movie we see Antonio and Bruno merging into a crowd thus telling us all these people are the same all turning to lives of petty crimes because they are all unemployed and cannot earn money to sustain their families that is why the movie is called bicycle thieves not the bicycle thief as the mistranslation of the US version says because there are just too many of these people who have turned into thieves now we happen to see one story here which tells us about this one particular family the last shot by the way is dicka's homage to chaplin who was his favorite filmmaker in most movies of chaplin you will see the final shot of the tramp himself merging in with the crowd and becoming one of too many people so this is the same thing that happens here 
Now, secondly, I feel the story is relatable even today. The banner in which poverty and scarcity of basics pushes unwilling members of society into crime is a universal as well as a timeless phenomenon. We have seen it in many Hindi films, just like you mentioned. We have seen it during the pandemic happening in India, the migrant labor crisis. The struggle of a man doing just about anything to feed his wife and children is the same everywhere and is a thought which motivates our day-to-day actions and choices, I believe. So this movie, despite having been made over 70 years ago, continues to remain effective and relatable. Abhina, what are the themes that you would like to highlight? If we have to just look at the list of themes, that by itself for this film could be a two-hour podcast. (laughs) But we are not getting into so much detail because we are not trying to approach this from the world of the adults. We are trying to approach it from the world of a adolescent who is uh, trying to make sense of what he has read and studied and what this film gives you a brilliant access to is the day-to-day lives of post-war Europe, which say a Saving Private Ryan can't give because that's only telling the story of the battleground. The battleground. And what happens on the battleground is unfortunate, but we have to understand how war trickles down to the smallest of the elements of the society. How it affects the lowest common denominator. Absolutely. Well, I actually have a long list of themes that are relevant to this film. For example, the class divide and the structure of the society in 1940s to 1950s, the economic structure and the government. In fact, it's very interesting. You were just talking about poverty right now. It's very interesting how bureaucracy and poverty are so interestingly connected with each other. The poorer the country, the more laden the bureaucracy is with welfare efforts. And you could see this in this film as well. And this is one of the themes that I'm picking up and talking about right now, is how everybody is a human being. And right from the first scene of the film to actually the climax of the film also, you get to see the goodness of human beings. Right. The bureaucrat who comes out of the employment office, he is actually sorry for the fact that if we don't need to lay bricks, we don't have a need for bricklayers and I really can't do anything about it. What is more important, well, the way economy is functioning right now is to put up Hollywood posters because that is going to bring in more revenues for the country. The official that I'm talking about here, actually, you can see the sadness in his face when he has to do this every day where out of a crowd of 100 people, he has to pick one or two, just one or two families that can feed themselves tonight. And that's about it. That's right. So from that point of view, you also get to see the pawn shop, which is also a government machinery later on. You get to see the... uh, Nobody is sitting on a high horse commanding people around. Everybody is trying to cooperate and make things work. Everybody is being kind. And that humanity is something that the director is definitely commenting upon. That despite the absolute heinous and barbaric nature of Second World War and what it did to people in Europe, we still were human beings and we still could be human beings. And bang at the last uh, scene of the film, when the thieves do become thieves, you see the generosity of the person whose bike has been stolen. Right. Uh, you see him to be a slightly elder gentleman who is probably better dressed than the uh, protagonists. And you see him looking at the child, Bruno. You see this goodness step out and say, I understand. Had this been my child Absolutely. and had I been in this case... And he can see that this is a very desperate act of a desperate man. That empathy is what this film is centered around. And it is repeatedly asking us, can you empathize with these people, these difficult, these troublemakers who have just stolen your bike, who have just stepped into your house and robbed you or whatever. 
do you find yourself capable to step in there and say i want to understand why they are doing this that pillar of empathy is what this film is built around which you can see in the government machinery which you can see in the economic sector across one of the things that i really thought this film showcases is nobody ever really wins in a war as in a side might win it they might achieve political greatness because of a war but the level of devastation even of a city as magnificent as rome which has been built and rebuilt because of its so many wars it is sobering the rubble and half broken buildings around antonio's neighborhood tell stories of the comfortable middle class apartments which housed many happy families before the war chipped at everything now the apartments seem comfortable but devoid of any comforts within because they have been sold or pawned away and there is always a scramble for all public utilities the buses are always crowded there is a line always in case people want water businesses are down so the rich middle class and the poor all wine and dine at the same restaurant as we get to see later on right. when bruno is taken for that one last fora before yeah there are broken buildings in the background a general air of despair that looms large over every frame italy may have lost the war but none of the countries which won the war were in any better shape either we get to hear similar stories from england from the us and their common people too were struggling to live with dignity i think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head when we are talking about empathy the next idea that people are looking at in this film very closely is the idea of dignity and right. we see how important it is to bruno a 9 year old how important it is to his mother maria and definitely how important it is to antonio the father of the family if you think about it bruno has an infant sister yeah and bruno is also very aware of the fact that he has to take care of her he has to be a role model for her which is why for a man as practical and ethical and morally sound as richi who does not believe in a god maybe who is not superstitious at all even he has a breakdown of sorts where he has to let go of these values which define him as a human being he is also conscious of the fact that if i have taught this to my son what will my son teach his sister whom he is supposed to be a role model for also the film is repeatedly asking this question whether values have any value when you are under strain right there is this fantastic scene in the church where you get to see how the rich the middle class and the poor congregate in the same space and have the same food that is what the war has done people can't afford to have shaves so they are walking into the church where the rich who have some money to throw away but there isn't enough to buy with that money right. and therefore are eating at the same restaurants are uh, going to the same churches and are using the same public utilities that you just talked about right so to go back we have to think about this film again as a document of everything and everyone that got impacted by the war the very interesting dynamic that exists between a 40 year old antonio and a 9 year old bruno but you see right from the word go as to how bruno is very very aware of his rights right when the bike comes into the house again you see him talking about the dent that has appeared on the bike because of mishandling at the pawn shop as we travel with both these from there on till when the rest of the film concludes we see how bruno also goes to work just like his father later on you sort of see the seesaw happening in bruno's character as well when he is at times being a child but he knows his father is there and therefore is acting as an adult there are moments when he takes very quick decisions for example when he gets the cop you would have seen antonio getting actually mobbed by the quote unquote bicycle thieves a lynching is almost about to happen he is standing in the corner like a dog 
and then you see bruno bringing in the cop and everybody dispersing and you see how in fact without even talking to each other there is this communication that happens between bruno and antonio i think when i will talk about my favorite scene there is going to be mention of a scene about how the father and son relationship goes back and forth and plateaus at a point where you can see how strong the foundation of this relationship is going to be i understand what you're talking about he is a child he has the needs of a child for example yeah. when his father is absolutely lost you know they've just gone to the first gray market and they haven't found their bike there and they come to the other market and it suddenly starts to rain yeah father is so lost with trying to figure out how to get some money earn some money that he is not concerned about bruno because bruno has also probably at some level shown that he can take care of himself so as he runs to take shelter under a ledge of some building bruno trips and falls when he asks what happened to you bruno is i fell down he does not say that he says no that's anyway. what he said that's what he says in Eng- in the english subtitle when he's screaming <laughs> at his father in italian i fell down you can see that bruno's really upset that his father doesn't even care that he had a bad fall right now and he's covered in dirt but bruno understands that my father is under pressure and he needs help so in fact because his father is troubled he takes out the anger on the priest who just appears next to him by right? pushing him away and you can see the priest looking down at the child and saying oh i'm sorry i did not notice you there and this is the typical struggle of a 9 year old to be not seen when there are adults around because you're too short and i can totally relate to that well my second theme also builds up around this i believe children of war grow up too soon Now Bruno is a precocious and responsible boy who's doing whatever he can to help his mother and take care of his family in his own way. Now there are numerous examples. The bicycle is possibly the last treasured toy that he had which was also pawned off and which is why when it comes back he's so eagerly polishing it and complaining about the dents that are there. It was his toy. He used to probably play with it which is why he knows it so well. And honestly speaking, it is the middle class's first car. Right. 1948 to 1990s India where you or I got the first car at home. That car means a lot to the child who is staying in that family. It's right. that car. Right. So the morning of Antonio's first day on the job, Bruno also gets ready and we initially think it is for him to join his father on this task that they are going to be performing together. But a few minutes later when Antonio drops him off the bicycle at a fuel station, We realized that Bruno was getting ready to fact, go to his home. I thought that he's getting ready for school. And it is actually a very stark thing now that we are talking about it I realized that if Bruno is not going to school, all the children of his locality are not going to school, which means probably there aren't any schools around. That's what the war has done. As soon as Bruno also arrives at the fueling station, he just says a quick goodbye to his father and he sets out to perform his tasks immediately. There is no supervision required. even when he was leaving home he notices his infant sister playing on the bed and to protect her from the cold winds because he also wraps a scarf around himself and his father wears a hat it is kind of cold maybe at least chilly so he shuts the window of the bedroom so that their sister is safe he is self sufficient he takes public transport by himself to go from place to place within the city there are moments of vulnerability like we talked about the scene where he has a fall there are times when his innate childlike nature slips out but he also understands his role very well and he does his best to help his father hold the fort honestly i had never properly understood wordsworth when he had said the child is the father of man but in the climax 
when Antonio needs it most and Bruno holds his hand telling him, don't worry, I'm still there for you. Bruno first brings his cap, hands it over to him. Right. And then holds his hand. And if you think of how in Indian films also, the pagdi or the turban is the symbol of izzat, a man's uh, honour. Antonio's cap having been thrown on the ground during the scuffle that happens after he has stolen the bicycle and Bruno cleaning it off, brushing it off and handing it back to him. It's almost like saying, don't worry, in my eyes, I respect you as much as I used to always. But that climax where Bruno holds his hand and explains these words by Wordsworth. My final theme is to do with religion, spirituality and faith, all of which are really important in Bicycle Thieves. Religion fails to offer a sanctuary for the poor individuals as seen in the movie. The church depicted in the film, you talked about it also, it charitably provides free haircuts and lunch for the poor. But there is a caveat. These people also have to compulsorily sit for a sermon, which is why the church locks all its doors and Antonio is not able to get out. Now, by forcing the impoverished populations to embrace and conform to their religious practices to receive basic aid, I believe this was the church's way to push the poor towards religion. Vittorio De Sica has tried to depict the church as an indifferent institution. Maybe he has tried to employ the same point of view while showing the police, the employment services and all other government institutions where the people are kind but they only have limited abilities. Everybody is just trying to help each other. They're doing the best they can, but it's not enough. Though not wholly distinct from religion, spirituality in the movie is mainly represented by this lady who plays the seer. The church is about the religion. And in, in both places, we see a crowd of people line up to receive either an insight from the seer or amenities from the church. Uh, this suggests that people turn more to spirituality when institutions fail to offer them security. It is not in the employment officer's hand to be able to provide employment to everybody. So what happens to the bricklayers at the beginning of the movie who are very concerned that there are no jobs for them? They will turn towards spirituality to try and seek help from a higher power. This reliance on blind faith explains why Antonio visits the seer despite having belittled her earlier in the film. He does make fun of Maria when Maria tries to go and thank the seer for having predicted that Antonio will get a job. But he does go to the seer himself because he sees that there's nothing else left for him to do. I think that comment is very strongly there that when all systems fail, when government and machinery and bureaucracy and everything else seems to be failing, people turn to religion. But very interestingly, just after Antonio visits the seer, Yeah. He has gone to her because he desperately needs somebody in a position of authority to be able to tell him that things will be all right. Just after that, whether it's a matter of a divine intervention or the seer's predictions or a coincidence that as soon as he steps out of the building, he spots the thief in the same lane. And while this miraculous event may not be logically explicable, it is perhaps the greatest stroke of luck that Antonio faces in this film. All the women seem to know the seer and seem to be flocking to her. In fact, at the seer's quote-unquote office, we don't see any other man. There is one man who is seen later on and you can see how the seer actually makes fun of that man. He's told that he is not good-looking, he should not try with this girl and so on and so forth. We can think about it more and as we think about it, maybe more layers will open up on this. But it is also at some level telling us that men don't come to the seers. They don't believe in destiny being divine in some sense or the other. They believe 
that they should be the one driving. Yeah, because it is about being able to let go of whatever power you think you have. Fair, absolutely. So I, I'm not commenting on that. But what I'm saying is that when this other man who seemed to be chastised by the seer comes there, we see that his interests are not in employment. His interests are not in growing a family. His interests are, how do I woo this girl? There is a contrast there. Antonio's concerns of hunger are more important than the concerns of this other man who wants to woo a girl. It doesn't matter in the larger scheme of things. And you can see how all the other women, how the seer and even we as an audience are judging this man, making fun of him in a slightly move on man. There are bigger fish to fry sort of way. Why don't you tell us a little about the technical aspects of the film that stood out for you? Well, it is a technically brilliant film. This film created the modern language for cinema and continues to ask the questions around how best to show and not tell a cardinal rule of cinema. I will not get into specific scenes and talk about them, but if I have to look at two particular aspects of the film, in fact, three, because they're seamlessly intertwining with each other, the cinematography, which is the camera work of the film, the editing and the sound, these three aspects pretty much tell us what to look at, what to focus on, where to turn our heads to and they are guiding us in terms of what to feel, how to emote at specific places precisely because this film is shorn of story-wise any kind of gimmicks. The demons or the villains or the difficulties of the film, the problems that the protagonist has to surmount become the poverty, become the lack of resources, become the lack of trust amongst people, become so many other aspects that the camera then chooses specifically. So, for example, when we are going through the houses of the Ricci's, we get to see the ruins around their houses. We get to see the devastation without anybody standing there and commenting that, you know, the war did this to us. So many buildings were there and they were so beautiful and they were all destroyed. No, we just get to see the ruins of those buildings around them. Considering the time the movie came out, I don't think anybody even had to say World War II has yeah. just gotten over. Nowhere in the movie is the word war Absolutely. or world war mentioned. Absolutely. It was obvious that this is because of the war. So, for example, football has become big. While there is no employment, people still are busy flocking to the football ground and watching. There is also underground entertainment that is happening, which is probably one of those bomb shelters yeah. where Antonio goes to find his friend hmm. and uh, tell him that my cycle has gotten stolen. What do I do? We see some kind of rehearsal happening there, which means a crowd gathers there every now and then to watch a performance. That seems to be a socialist meeting point of some kind where right. on one side people are discussing how employment needs to be generated and what they need to do for uh, getting more of their rights approved by the management and so on. On the other side, there are people who are trying to rehearse for a play performing so that crowds gather right. who then can be talked to by these political leaders. In all this, you get to see specifically with the camera what is going to happen. There's this fantastic bit with the camera when Maria and Antonio with the cycle go to visit the seer for the right. first time. Throughout, when the cycle is half parked at the entrance of this building, so you can see from the stairs of the building, you can see the handle of the cycle. And because we, as audience, know the film is called Bicycle Thieves, our eyes, our minds are trained right from the beginning to look for how to protect this bicycle, which so, has just come out through difficult times from the pawn shop. So you remember when we were watching the movie again and I was like, he's going to leave the front wheel of the bicycle showing because we are expecting it to be stolen Absolutely. any moment now. Yeah. Because we think when we watched the movie the first time, we thought it is the story of the thief who steals this bicycle. True. 
and when we come out from the Sears house, when Antonio and Maria come out, the camera is tracking backwards while observing them walking down the steps. And just as it is about to step out of the building through the door, we realize that we have not seen the bicycle yet and we are half expecting Antonio and Maria to scream or exclaim that their cycle is stolen. And then the camera suddenly sweeps outwards, showing that the bicycle is still intact. That is Desika playing games with our minds. Absolutely. And that's where that brilliant camera work that I'm talking about comes into play. There are specific moments between, for example, Bruno and uh, Antonio or Antonio and Maria. Moments of tenderness, moments of nice time being spent with each other. And you see the music changing tone and then suddenly cutting short at some points and going into something else. The sound is giving us actual clues as to what we are supposed to feel right now. Right. And editing is so seamless that you are not jarred or you're not forced to shift from the feeling of a particular scene to the feeling of the next scene. You're flowing from one scene to another with the editing. So for example, but the scene where Bruno and Antonio have their fight and after the fight, everything gets resolved and Antonio says, anyways, I'm not getting the bicycle. Let me take you to this restaurant. This entire scene would have maybe four or five cuts. And in all that, we are not being forcibly hurried off this space where they have just had a fight to the new space of the restaurant. We are slowly walking with them. But this is in direct contrast. What you have just spoken about the editing being seamless and pretty stable. It is in direct contrast to what happens in the particular scene where this man Antonio turns into the bicycle thief. Just before that, his dilemma his yeah. sense of conflict. The turmoil that is going The through. turmoil that's so, happening. In fact, it's the a crescendo. The editing is so sharp. Absolutely. You know, we see him, we see Bruno, we see him looking at the cycle, we see the many bicycles parked outside the stadium where the football match Absolutely. is on. It is a master class in editing to show exactly what this character is going through, True. the struggle that's happening within. This is a brilliant piece of filmmaking where you see all the departments working seamlessly with each other focusing on the story that they are trying to tell. Desika used to say that every person can play one role perfectly themselves, which is why he used to love signing on non-professional actors for his movies. For this particular movie, Desika chose a factory fitter, Majiorani, who had brought his son along for an audition as his male lead. Now, his lead actress was a journalist, Maria, this character, who had approached him for an interview while he still hadn't found the ideal actor to play Bruno when the filming began. It was while he was shooting the scene in which Antonio searches for his friend who can help him locate the bike that fate intervened. A noisy crowd had gathered at the filming location. When DC cut turned around in annoyance at the onlookers, he saw an odd-looking child with a round face, a big funny nose and wonderful lively eyes. And so little Enzo Stiola was hired on the spot to play Bruno. Incidentally, Desika hired both Majorani and Stiola for their characteristic gait. Both of them walk in a very unusual way. Lamberto Majorani was very shy and embarrassed throughout the shooting as he had no actor training or would often become anxious when he could not do what he was asked to do. However, Desika did not coddle him because he knew that this actor's real anxiety and nervousness before the camera would work well for his on-screen character. But unfortunately, even after the movie ended, Majorani struggled to get a job. The second thing that I love about the film is in line with what you talked about in terms of cinematography, 
while the relationships while the locations while the people are shown beautifully i think the movie if you just played it silently also if you just played the scenes where he's doing this overview of rome looking at the various locations the destruction the broken buildings the monuments people say this about rome you walk and every 15 steps there is a monument in front of you i think had there not been a story a proper narrative to pull our attention the movie just by itself does a wonderful job of showcasing rome post world war 2 you just look at people going about their day you just look at the things in the background you just look at vehicles moving and things happening and the markets hustling and bustling and you know what rome in 1948 was like i think i really love that aspect of this film to close this section i would just say that the film with its technical brilliance does a fantastic job of covering the journey of antonio from being away from the crowd to being one amongst them all right shivangi your favorite scenes both of us have already spoken about our favorite scenes and especially mine in great detail one is where antonio and maria go to meet the old woman the seer I like the gentle way in which Antonio chastises Maria and says a mother of two and with a head on her shoulders I didn't expect you to be feeling so superstitious I can go and tell the woman exactly what I think of her and I'm not scared about it Do you have a lot of money to throw away Yes I think Maria does believe that this woman has powers In fact while they are climbing down from the stairs they talk about it when Antonio says so you think this woman got me the job and the cycle is in focus and the cycle disappears the next day when he questions the woman the second scene is the morning of antonio's first day of work we have already talked about how bruno is up early in the morning at 6:30 when it's still pretty dark outside and shining and buffing up the bicycle in fact even when they go to look for the bicycle antonio says i don't know my bicycle my child knows it better than me this is the first time we're meeting bruno actually we are immediately taken by this gentle chubby boys cute looks both of them put that same pratata into their pockets it is a nice sight to see father and son doing the same things and you can also see how bruno does things exactly like his father and you also see that this is a nice boy who takes his responsibilities and his role in the family very seriously he is very sure of himself as well he's a confident child it makes me want to be around him in fact he's such an endearing character right off the bat and that endearment is sort of seen in one of my favorite scenes of the film which is when bruno and antonio have a fight they walk out of the church bruno tells his father why did you let the old man go the old man would have probably taken bruno and antonio to the thief and this old man has been trying to avoid getting caught by antonio so they walk out of the church bruno and antonio have this fight where bruno just then keeps on muttering to himself just a 9 year old being a 9 year old to be honest antonio is busy at that moment looking for this old man who would probably guide him in the direction of the bicycle that has been stolen he asks bruno to wait under the bridge while he looks for the old man almost instantaneously there are cries from the river under the bridge where people are shouting suddenly about a child having drowned initially antonio does not pay any attention to it because well he is busy looking for the old man but the second cry of it grabs him by the ear and within almost 4 to 5 seconds you see antonio becoming desperate and you see the echoes of his screams under the bridge as he's running towards the river shouting out bruno's name bruno standing on top of the stairs looking down at his father because it's not bruno in the river but as an audience you also suddenly feel has bruno done something to himself because 
he cannot take this so we are caught along with antonio in this scene where we are thinking if bruno is the one who is accidentally fallen into the river he cannot take care of himself and then we see bruno just cleaning the top of the stairs and sitting there as antonio looks at him and you still see the fight continue between bruno and antonio as bruno is walking on the left side of the road and antonio is walking on the right side bruno refusing to come near antonio still thinking what does he think of himself how can he slap me in the middle of the road and things like that but the scene the way it has played out the way it is carried forward you get to see that while there is a need to take care of the family the hunger and so on the love for bruno is so high on his priority that within seconds he can forget about the bicycle and that is not the problem he is trying to deal with the problem that he is trying to deal with at that point is the well-being of his child in fact there's a very similar scene in my neighbor totoro the movie we talked about yeah. in our first episode in both the cases of course these were false alarms but they essentially play out in the same way as we see bruno and antonio struggling to reconcile with each other antonio realizes that his efforts are a little unstructured and they might be in vain and he might not get his bicycle back and then resigning to that fate accepting that okay he will figure out what life will bring to him tomorrow but today he has just probably made his son very upset that was not his intention so bruno who's 9 years old and has probably never seen a restaurant in his life so far because war probably came at the same time when he was born and uh, life has gone on like that so this is his first visit to a restaurant antonio checks his pockets there is some money and he says anyways uh, let's go and have our last hurrah they walk into the restaurant bruno is excited the music also speaks directly to antonio's situation the words of the song that is playing in the background also speaks directly to antonio's situation you see the excitement in bruno's eyes when he looks at another child eating a mozzarella there's a quite competition that emerges yeah. between these two this fight between the have and the have not children it is something that satyajit ray has shown even in his movie too yeah the contrast in fact in this restaurant you see the poor donia and bruno you see the middle class which is probably the singers the waiters a whole lot of other people sitting in the restaurant and you also see the rich families and you suddenly realize war is such an equalizer all these classes have collapsed into one restaurant where the rich kid is also eating mozzarella sandwich and bruno orders the same thing interestingly i think antonio also offers wine to his son to a 9 year old and says don't tell your mother this first drink exchange between a father and son is something that is held very holy in the western traditions and in this scene you see the transition from almost a passing of baton from antonio to bruno saying i don't know what the world is going to bring tomorrow and i'm probably incapable now of handling it it is time that you become the adult and you take on which is also probably interesting that after this scene is when the mob lynching the almost lynching scene happens in the lane and then the climax of yeah. course and, and, and it is almost to say that you know you're having wine you're a grown up now you can deal with whatever comes next yeah so this entire string is a fantastic sequence in my opinion and a tour de force as far as direction is concerned let's now right. talk about some of the questions that we might have the foremost question having watched this movie is do we think antonio made a reasonable decision what else could he have done ethics are never black and white they're always gray they're contextual they're cultural there is a lot that goes into understanding the ethicality of an action the morality of an action we can't really say antonio has done the right thing or not 
but it is something that one needs to study it is something that one needs to view with absolute objectivity to be able to understand that war pushes us in directions nobody wants to go the second question is academic in nature it is about understanding how the second world war contributed to italy being in such poor shape with so much unemployment poverty and scarcity this is as far down as 1948 which is 3 years after the war this absolutely would help children understand the background of the second world war and how things happened finally i want to talk about this one discussion that parents and children should have with each other which is finding a moment from our own respective lives and talking about it this moment has to be about when somebody understood that we needed their support and they provided it without question you could share a little bit about how precious this support felt and how it helped you could ask your child if they have had a similar experience and why they treasure it i actually don't have individual questions because it's almost like the syllabus is so big when it comes to this film you really can't do justice to it uh, by forming a questionnaire about it but still the themes that we have spoken about which is poverty which is family which is values which is happiness which is what does it mean to be content there is this brilliant bit where maria is trying to solve the problem of how to get the bike back within seconds as she enters her home she has made the decision and she strips her beds of all the linen that they have been using and she pawns those sheets in exchange for the bike this kind of quick decision making itself where you're pawning off the resources of your house tells you how precarious the state was all these themes that we have talked about you must look at them and have a discussion around all these things with your children it's a great entry into world war 2 as an idea it's a great entry into the state of economies after world war 2 it Why is a great it... look at the kinds of decisions that the underprivileged have to take and the factors affecting those decisions there's something to watch enjoy and talk about in every scene might look like nothing's really happening but there's a lot 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 happening it's all very subliminal it's all very ordinary in its appearance which is why it looks like nothing's happening yeah similar films abhinav okay i'll quickly mention three films all coming from different perspectives from different countries in different languages but still having this central idea of dignity and empathy at the core of it the first recommendation is life is beautiful an italian film coming from director roberto benigni an oscar winner the best foreign film of that year life is beautiful is based in the concentration camps of italy and germany again it's about a father and son relationship where a son is protected from the evils of war and is told a story that is fantastical in nature so that he can survive the second world war Second film of my recommendation would be Boot Polish coming from the pantheons of Raj Kapoor Productions in India directed by Prakash Arora the film Boot Polish talks about the brother and sister relationship in extreme difficult situations and how they turn themselves from beggars to children who can survive on their own This is also about a time when India as a country is trying to find a foothold uh, for itself this is just a few years after it has achieved independence so contextually you know the systems not being in place and people having to fend for themselves people having to choose between the right and wrong kind of factions all these are themes that are also prevalent in boot polish and the third is a japanese animation film grave of the fireflies i must recommend this with caution because it is a very difficult film to watch a film coming out of japan in the post second world war and what a sibling pair does to survive that time so these three films are my recommendations 
my recommendations are largely to do with world war 2 the first of course is the diary of anne frank it is a profound book it has also been made into a movie while bicycle thieves is about the outdoors and the open the diary of anne frank talks about this family shut inside it is also talking about the war but from the perspective of a early teenage girl the second is a recent favorite of mine called jojo rabbit where the mother is secretly fighting for the resistance while the son believes that she belongs to the nazi party and the son himself is a big fan of hitler his imaginary best friend is hitler himself and how things come to a head how he discovers that his viewpoint may not have been correct all this while and whatever he has seen and heard about the jews is everything that he has seen and heard second hand nothing about his opinion is anything that he has created on his own the third is also an adaptation called the book thief it's about again children who love to read and children who discover what the enemy is like how the enemy is so different from everything that the authorities tell them about the fourth is a film called persepolis which is for slightly older children because it has a little bit of adolescent themes in it it's an autobiographical film where the director she talks about her time growing up in an iran where things are constantly in turmoil so there's scarcity there is lack of freedom and it's a struggle of a different kind so these are my recommendations yes so with that we come to the end of this episode it has been a little nerve wracking talking about a film this legendary we would love to hear from you please write back to us on any of our social media accounts or you can always email us on breakfastatcinema@gmail.com we hope you enjoy the film and we hope to meet you again with another episode of the podcast till then take care bye bye happy viewing cinema my child and me is brought to you by breakfast at cinema working in the areas of education of cinema and education through cinema since 2014 with children and adults of all ages Music brought to you by young and enthusiastic supporters of our podcast. Their love and talent has made this journey all the more interesting. Introduction music by 10-year-old Arkansh Pandey on the clarinet. Episode introduction by Idhya Shalab, age 10, on the piano, and Idhan Shalab, age 6, on the violin. Closing music by 7-year-old Drishan Pandey on the piano. We would also like to thank cinema lovers and makers across the world. It is their passion which drives us.